Welcome to the One Player Podcast. I'm your host, Julius, and this is episode 302. Clever girl. Hello, everyone. I'm here. It's just Julius by myself. And the kids. Julius and kids, yes. I have both of my two kids here with me. I'm here with Chaya Devara. Besser. Say hello. Hello. And Deli Besser. Hello. Hello, everyone. So we're here talking about the Jurassic Park Legacy game, which is technically called the uh, Legacy of Isla Nublar. Isla Nublar. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. How would you pronounce it? Isla Nublar. No, it's Isla. I'm sure that any of us who are more familiar with the actual Jurassic Park movies and shows and things would probably know exactly what it is. Um, I'm not too particularly familiar with it. Have any of you actually watched any of the Jurassic Park movies? Yes, I watched. I watched the Lego Jurassic Park show. Lego Jurassic Park show. I'm not sure what the name of the island was. I watched like a few minutes over Deli's shoulder. So, uh, yeah, we're not, um, it's not a matter that we're not the biggest fans. You know, dinosaurs are really cool. Yeah. Just, we don't necessarily know a whole lot about the source material. So, if you're coming into it, wanting to know the perspective of someone who knows the source material and is, like, super invested and wants to know how faithful it is and things like that, um, look elsewhere, I guess. But it is what it is. Anyway, so for a quick 60 seconds overview, first let me give, give an overview for the game. So the Legacy of Isla Nublar, or as we're just going to call it, the Jurassic Park Legacy game. It is a legacy game created by the same people in Prospero Hall, now in Funko Pop. So it's very similar to the leg to, in my opinion, to the cooperative gameplay of the Horrified game. So the idea is that you're going to have people you're moving around the board, and you'll have various mini objectives and puzzles that you have to complete by the end of the game, and scenarios and situations come with dinosaurs, but your general idea is to survive, don't let them kill you, don't let too many consequences come up, and complete whatever your objective for the particular scenario is. Each game has a win condition. Uh, Over the course of 12 games, 12 scenarios, you're attempting to win as many times as you can, and that results in a final stirring finale game uh, for the 12th game succeed win live survive if you die then you lose and that's about a quick summary for the game so deli was there something that you wanted to throw into that well i was gonna say just ask your friend if you don't know what 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 it the background is but in the game the anglesaurus is actually holding a one of the sphere runner vehicle things. The gyrosphere. The gyro, a gyrosphere. And I know why. Because there was a rampage and some people went out in those gyrospheres. So he got a gyrosphere and started crushing it. So Deli has perhaps jumped forward into the components because he's already started to describe the miniatures that are included in the game. Um, the game comes with four miniatures at the beginning for the various different dinosaurs. And you have the ability to unlock, uh, there's a box of about nine different other dinosaurs. So three of them are herbivores, three of them are carnivores, and three of them are mutants. So you have the ability to unlock various different ones across it. As a note, um, especially because I'm dealing with, you know, a lovely nine-year-old who may not be so aware of what spoilers are, there may be spoilers. As a spoiler... There's an ankylosaur. Hey, wasn't that the first bit? Yeah, but it's still a spoiler. <laughs> it wasn't one of the original four. Yeah. So, 
So there is an Ankylosaur. Um, so we're definitely going to be having spoilers because we're going to be talking about a bunch of the unlocks. But I'll try and warn you about that as we get to it. We'll try and have relatively spoiler-free for the beginning of this. So in terms of the continued components, there are various miniatures of the different dinosaurs. Each of the player components is represented by a flat standee that's going to be put into a little plastic base. And so those are flat. They're not full miniatures, which is particularly good for the other ones. Both of my children are wanting to bring up that we have the Kickstarter Deluxe Components, which come with amber dinosaurs, which have absolutely no point, are not as useful as the colored dinosaurs, and were pretty well worthless, and we never used them, and having completed the game, we never will use them. So they look cool. I'm not sure they do. They're amber. I don't know that they do look cool. They're kind of cool. Anyway, but it is what it is. There are also other Kickstarter less components. I will mention those in a minute. By and large, it doesn't matter. No. No. We don't need them. We can talk about them without having them in your hand. I don't remember them. We don't have to list all of them. That's not the important part. You can remember if they were cool or not. Are the dinosaur miniatures cool? Yeah. Very good. As a reminder to my son, please face the microphone when you're talking. Hey. Anyway, Fine. so yes, all of the dinosaur miniatures are cool. They're nice miniatures, plastic minis, unplanted by the red or green for uh, whether they're carnivore or herbivore. Uh, in addition to various other tokens and things, so let's talk about the tokens that each player has. Each player has wooden action tokens because each player is going to have, there's nine actions divided up between the players. So however they're divided up, each player has action tokens to denote what actions they've used or can use on their turns. Uh, and then there are going to be various building tokens that are around the board, which are eventually replaced with building stickers that are actually placed onto the board. Not too much of a surprise that one, so I'm just going to say that part. I do like how the stickers look, because they also have like the clear outer layer, and then some of them are just clear, and they've just got like decoration. Like some of the reinforcements just have like the decoration. Some of the clear stickers. Some of the later ones. What Chayadavar is referring to is that some of the stickers that you're going to be placing on the board are walls to box in the dinosaurs. And then over the course of time, spoiler, you're going to be able to upgrade those walls to be stronger and Chayadavar likes the look of some of the upgraded stickers and how they did that. There are also consequence tokens. There's some random consequence tokens. Most of them are just a one. There's one that's a zero and one that's a two. But whenever a consequence happens, such as a dinosaur dying or a character getting too injured or something else bad happening, which depends on the scenario, you'll flip over one of these consequence tokens and it's either zero, one, or two. You'll keep a running total. If you total five consequences at any time, you've blown up the island, you lose the game, that's it, game over. Immediately stop. I suppose do not proceed to go is inaccurate for this because you still do endgame stuff, but do not continue further. You've lost. And the consequences tokens are the ways that you use to track those. They're nice wooden tokens. They're not cardboard. So there you go. Um, another Kickstarter upgrade bit that we have are the field research tokens. They're sort of like if you have extra actions, you can use them to, to grab extra field research, which can, can be used for end-of-grade upgrades to get to apply different stickers to things. Um, they're useful in general they take extra actions so we'll get back to that i guess during gameplay the regular tokens are just these cardboard amber tokens we have nice 
plastic droplets that look like mosquitoes and ambers. With they look the, really nice. With little dots. With little mm-hmm. dots? Yeah, they have little dots around the mosquito. I don't know what that represents. I've never noticed the dots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no. They're all over. Okay. I think that's just flaws in the production. No. They're on every single one. Oh, I don't know. So there's uh, there's those amber tokens. The amber ones are actually really nice. I enjoyed using those as compared to the you know cardboard ones. But it's not a huge upgrade. And also, I don't know that you have a lot of time to be able to do a whole lot of upgrades. So tis what tis. Um, you each, like, so there's first fifth. Are you talking about gameplay? We're still talking about components right now. I know. Like, I'm talking about these. Talking like, about what? These tokens. Oh, yeah. wait. I guess it's kind of gameplay. Oh, fine. Just on. And there's also a bunch of tokens for the different like mini games that are involved in the game. Some of them you don't start with. Some of them you do. There's the two basic ones that you start with, which are DNA sequencing tokens or DNA sequencing. And the other one, which is arranging boxes in the um, discovery center. I will come back more to discuss the various mini games once we get back to it. Uh, in terms of components. So, Khadvar, you said that you really enjoyed the components. You, you thought they were nice? Yeah. They were well built. Well built, as you could say. They were pretty. <laughs> yes, I I agree with Kaidor's comment of they were pretty, and they also have some good artwork. Yeah. Yes, I think that all of the artwork was nice. It did give a good rendition to the different player characters between the minis and the player boards that you have and the dinosaurs. It all was you know stunning. It gives a real action sense to it all. The board that you're playing on, the island of Isla Nublar, where you're putting all the stickers onto, it's it's big, it's chunky. All of the tokens, the miniatures are nice. The cardboards are a little bit flimsy as they differ at different times, but it's perfectly fine for what it is. I think that they're all good. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the rules, guys. Um, so I don't think either of you read the rule book itself, did you? Nope. No. The rule book is fine and explains the basic idea. One strong point for the game that I really expected my daughter to bring up is that there is a rules ring. When you learn new rules, there's a ring of rules for a quick reference guide. Like if you want to know something about, say, the, the Discovery Center, you would go look it up on Discovery Center or buildings or actions or dinosaurs. You would go look it up and it made it very easy to quickly consult or find something about the rules. But when a new rule came out, it would give you a little rules sheet to add into the rules ring, and you would learn it that way. So I thought that was a really good way of adding rules to the book instead of having stickers in the rule book. I thought that was a very good choice. They still had stickers in the rule book to like, add new rules. And then the rule ring, as you get deeper into the game, you understand the rules better. But they still added the new rules in, and I like how that. Yeah, and it made it really easy to be able to go reference and find rules. Like, if it added a rule, like, you know, death or something like that, you just go look it up by death. As opposed to being like, where where in the rule book did we add that sticker? I don't remember. It made it very easy to go find stuff. So, big thumbs up to that method for adding rules to legacy games. And I bet you're asking, how did it make a difference? I am too. Like, you'd still have to twist the rings along. How does it make a difference? How does what make a difference? Like, finding it. It's the same thing. You're twisting it along. Because it's, if it's all referenced by keyword, it's very easy to look something up as opposed to being spread out across a rule book. So you have to figure out which part of the rule book they meant to put what it What do you mean by keyword? Like death, you just look up under D. Whereas if it's in the rule book, you have to figure out well, where in the rule book was it intended to go because it's not under D for death. Okay. It's 
It's also in alphabetical order and with numbers in order, a numerical order. So it's very easy to find. So if you know the number and you know the letter, you can go look it up under D. Or if you know the number, you can go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. It actually had the numbers on the bottom. So, But also, like, how would you memorize the number? Like, anyway, <laughs> so that's that's enough about the rules, I think. Let's talk about the theme. So theme is normally where we discuss if it felt appropriate theme for a themed board game where it's trying to be Jurassic Park. Did it feel like you were you guys were running and controlling Jurassic Park, the big old dinosaur theme park? Yes. yes. Yeah, I mean, we were all on team, so I didn't feel like I was one person controlling it, but... You felt like as a team we were. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a strategy for most of the times. Khaedvora was going to the lab. Well, before we get to that, right now we're just talking about whether it felt like Jurassic Park. I think it also felt very much like Jurassic Park. To me, the dinosaurs would be very dinosaur-y. They would pop up and, and destroy stuff. Like you see in all of the dinosaur movies, where the dinosaurs are just running around destroying stuff. You don't have very much control of them, but you have a little bit of control of them, and you're trying to manage the park as well as you can in the evil circumstances going on. I also like how you can have different characters each time, and then when you get like a new character, you can go play that character, and you can even like feel like you're being that character. Like You can take on their role, and you can use their powers. I like that. Are, are you referring like- to the legacy characters? Yeah. No, like I'm referring to the actual characters that you are. Okay. I like how you can feel like you're actually them. Nice. Because they're powers. Nice. I also like the legacy characters too, in the same way. You can. Well, first, wait, let's explain what legacy types. characters are. Okay. So, legacy characters are that, over, and this is something that's unlocked later. Um, there are a lot of characters that you're going to be getting over the course of the game, and all of them are iconic to the various different dinosaur, Jurassic Park, Jurassic World themes, movies media so there's a lot of them that you unlock over time at one point you have the ability where you can choose both the characters that you're using as well as you can pick any character to be a legacy character then you'll flip them over on their back you'll flip their card over onto its back and on the back side of it has a almost generally once per game superpower related to the main character that you get to use uh it sometimes could be once or per turn once per round once per but sometimes there can also be if you uh, unlock a second strip then it could say you can use for example you can use a butterfly flaps its wings two times per round instead of one time i don't think it does that but yes yeah it does on some of them. <laughs> sometimes it does yes but generally it's once per round and it's just a one power, they come in and they do some sort of like rescue type action. Uh, and so it's a free game thing. So that still helps you be invested in upgrading and using your old characters and invested in what it is that they do and thinking about them. As opposed to sort of consigning them to the box and not really being involved in that component once you moved on. It was a nice way of bringing back in old investigators. But You mean uh, players? But and, oh, you're right. They're not investigators. investigators. They're their characters excuse me so i think that discusses the themes i think we all in agreement that it's very thematic let's talk about the gameplay because we're already 20 minutes into this and we're only just now starting talking about the gameplay so if you're familiar with horrified i feel like this is very similar to the horrified games 
you have various actions you can take your turn and you have general actions that you can take, such as moving around the board, leading other characters around the board. If you are together with another character and you are uninjured, you can herd a dinosaur, which means you can optionally move to another place, but also throw a herd token on them, which makes them stop moving for a turn. There are also some cards that would let you herd without another character. And there are some special actions on the player's cards, too. Yes. So there are a lot of items that you can use to give you extra actions or beef up your actions. Um, But we'll get back to those in a bit. There's also actions that are often present on the various mini boards. So, for example, you can use a mini board to be able to slide around tokens or swap tokens or whatever it is that the mini game has to do. These mini boards felt most similar. The reason why I keep bringing up Horrified is that Horrified also has these like mini games that you have to play. So, for example, the first version of Horrified, it had one where you had to move the boat to catch the lagoon monster all the way back and do and keep moving all the way back. And then you had to collect a bunch of yellow tokens and turn the yellow tokens. Or if you're doing the Invisible Man, you have to go hunt down tokens and collect evidence and turn them in. So all of them had these mini-games that you had to complete in order to be able to complete your objectives. So it's the same thing with these. In the beginning of it, you have to go into the the Welcome Center to go and prepare all these boxes, which is sort visitor of like a... Visitor Center? A visitor Center, I think? Visitor Center. Welcome so center. you had to go um, move these boxes around, so you're just... Uh, pushing it's sort of like a match three type game where you're pushing boxes in from the various sides depending on which room you're in and you want to line up different colors like you may want to make a row of yellow to be able to complete your objective and then in the dna lab you have tokens the different types of dna so a c t g and you the game provides you a specific arrangement that you have to make with them and you have to swap them, so like swap two of them that are adjacent and things like that, to be able to line them up in the specific way that the game wants you to have. And those are your general objectives for the whole scenario. And you'll have five rounds to be able to complete those scenario objectives. And there may be other scenario objectives, like you have to go you know, catch Billy who fell down the well. Or that's not actually in the game. Those of you who are looking at me weird, it's not actually Billy in the well. But for example, you have to go find Billy who fell in the well and rescue him and make sure he doesn't get eaten by dinosaurs and take him home to his mother. There may be other scenarios that are on the side and things you have to do that are scenario specific. (laughs) Maybe like a Brachiosaurus went to the helipad and now all the visitors can't can't get away, so you have to clear the Brachiosaurus. Now, that actually was in the game. <laughs> failing miserably at the no spoilers. We are failing miserably at the no spoilers, but I warned everyone in advance that especially my nine-year-old is very yeah. good at, at I love spoilers. <sighs> anyway, so that's the general idea. There it's are the those many objectives that you have to complete to complete them, and those there's a lot of actions that involve those because like it'll take an action to be able to move a token from here to there. Um, you also can take an action to search. So in general, you can search a spot. You get to flip over the card to see what the dinosaurs are going to do there at the end of the round and also determine whether or not you get any items from that spot. If you get items, you can pull them. And as Kaya Devara mentioned, those items can be used to enhance your powers and abilities 
give you like special discard to do this or special action to you know herd with another character things like that Wait, does Mosasaurus Lagoon count as well? It, sure, the Mosasaurus Lagoon could count as well. Why not? Oh, Billy fell into the Mosasaurus no, Lagoon instead. So, the search action ties in to a number of scenario objectives. So, for example, if you're trying to find Billy, who's lost in the well, you have to use a search lost action. Lost in the Mosasaurus Lagoon. Whatever. You use the search action to be able to find him. And that's generally what the search action is for. So those aren't actions that you're taking. So no. you'll spend your time. No, the search action, the search search action can also get you items if you you reveal the ra- the round card in the sector you're in. The sector card, yeah. Yeah. And you get items for it. And it, no, if it says one item, you get one item. If it says two items, you get two items when you search there. But in general. The reason why you're taking that search action, I felt for most of the games we played, was not because we were looking for items. It's because the scenario requires us to search for something. I do not feel that way. Okay. I think, I think that the items we mostly used were the vehicles, and all the other ones were just, we got them from completing the buildings, and those were kind of sometimes more like, we need items, can your items save us? No, okay, these are useless. There were a couple of times where we were just trying to pull items to pull one specific one to help us. Oh, and here's the reason why. We have forgotten that there was an action to rest. That if you're in a building, you can just rest and spend an action to remove a, uh, an injury. So We had I, totally forgotten about that. I had an injury, and then I had to dig for items to find something that clears that injury away. So I, so we, we didn't know it all. That there was this rest action. So I just looked for items over and over again until we found out about rest. And this is in the finale, guys. And this is the same story that I just told being retold by my son with a little bit longer words. You're welcome. <laughs> so. No, it's not. Anyway. It's definitely not. Everyone spends their actions. Once everyone has taken all of their actions, the dinosaurs get to go. Each of the sector cards, and there's six sectors across the island, each of the sector cards depicts what a dinosaur is going to do. So the herbivores are going to wander around, and the carnivores are going to hunt. So when an herbivore wanders, it says which direction that they wander in, and you move them that direction. When a carnivore hunts, uh, it's going to want to go tromp on something. If there's something next to it or in the same spot as it, it attacks it. There's these five dice that you'll roll with different icons. Different dinosaurs and characters have different sorts of defense icons, like they can defend against the three claw or not the one claw or the, the starburst icon, whatever their defense is, negates any dice rolls for that one. But if you roll a die roll that you cannot defend against, you get an injury. If that is your total injury, if you're a dinosaur, you're dead. If you're a character, you just take a consequence. But even when a dinosaur dies, you take two consequences. So I suppose it's dead too. Anyway, so roll, take damage. If the damage results in a consequence, take a consequence. And so the dinosaurs will run around and, and uh, fight. If they want to fight and there's no one around, they'll roll an ambush die and hop up in some random place. So you never feel safe from them, even if you're on the other side of the board, because they can literally teleport all the way across the board right to you if you roll poorly. Ooh, I remember one time I rolled a, tw- a 20 on our first turn to randomize one of the dinosaurs. 
that killed us. Hopped right to us. It was fun. So uh, that is the, the dinosaur phase. Once the dinosaur phase has gone, you then will uh, refresh the whole round, check and see if there's any consequences. There are round cards that you'll put out at each round. So there's five round cards corresponding with the five rounds that you get. The round cards will often have consequences if you don't complete an action in the course of the round. So, for example, one will say if you you can discard the card once you find Timmy, who's lost in the well, and until you found Timmy, that was Billy. Bo- Billy, Billy, and he was, Timmy, and he was lost in the Mosasaurus Lagoon. So you uh, can discard that card once Timmy is found, and until Timmy is found, you have to take a consequence every round. So that's an example of how consequence cards can continue to trigger. <laughs> oh, so at yeah. the end of the round. You'll check and see if any of the trigger to give you consequence. If don't so, mind, take a consequence. Don't mind him. He keeps saying to me when it's really Billy. I'm about to change Billy it to Lily just because case. you both keep correcting <laughs> And don't mind him when he starts saying Lily. Lily. It's Billy. Anyway, again, not a character in the actual game, so we're moving on. So, once you finish that, you'll restart the round. Again, flip over another round card, and you'll get nine actions between the different characters to try to complete the entire scenario over those 15 round, over those five rounds. Yes, Khaedvar? There was that one guy we'd lost in the control center. Oh, yeah, Barry. That's Barry. We're not talking about Barry. He's still there. We're not talking about Dying. So... Deli, did you find the game particularly easy or particularly hard? Particularly hard. The game is very tight. We would often be finishing scenarios only at the nick of the time in the last scenario, but we, we had more wins than we had losses. I think we only had two losses the whole time. Yeah, but I did find it hard depending on the thing. So, like, if we were starting, we were, like, on a roll. We had already finished the first one on the first round, and we were already starting on the buildings. I thought, like, it was easy. But if there were different scenarios, it was harder. So it really depended on the scenario, whether it was harder or easy. I have to agree. I also think it started with some of the randomized layouts. So, for example, with randomizing the DNA center, um, having to match the perfect setup for it we would sometimes spend like 10 minutes trying to figure out the best way to align it and make the least amount of moves to be able to get yeah, to for it the finale that was really hard that was really it hard was really hard because i thought i had to do all four yeah. not all three but so, also like some for the visitor center like one time we got really lucky on the visitor center with the boxes. The boxes were almost exactly lined out correctly so that we almost had them. We basically just had to push three. So box. sometimes the, the setup for the mini games can be really hard. And sometimes the setups can be easy. But I think even when it's really hard, I think there's enough time. You just have to sit and figure out how to do it. And... I suppose if you're playing multiplayer and not doing that puzzle altogether, it's a problem. Fortunately, we're a solitaire podcast, so um, nobody's going to care if you sit there and figure it out by yourself, which I highly recommend. Which often we just ask someone to go figure out how to take a break while they which did it. Which was me. I was happy to do that. Yes. So we would just let her figure it out and we'd just come back in like 20 minutes and be like, all right, you got it puzzled? Good. We'll start the game now. <laughs> Um, a lot of the challenge and difficulty became because the actions were so tight as we got towards the end of scenarios or even as we started the rounds, 
we had to precisely think about what plan we would use to be able to complete all of our actions, complete the challenges. I actually started the game without me, and I was just taking actions while figuring out the puzzle. Maybe. Well, that's because the first couple are just getting you into the building. Do you know what that is? Yes. What is that? Computer stuff. Oh, wow. That's, That's funny. He has a computer and stuff. Anyway, so it was extremely tight on the different actions. Um, I will point out the max player count we played officially with this was three players. We did have one no, game. Four, four, four. We did have one game before we started the legacy stuff where we played with four players. And I will say the actions are even tighter when you have four players playing it yes. because you have to spend more actions moving more characters. With less characters, you don't have to move around as much because, for example, if all of your buildings are clustered together, you move over there once, and you find them in your yard. You don't have to spend a lot of time going back and forth. With three characters, you each had uh, three actions. And with two characters, you only had two actions and one at the island. No, four. With four characters, you had two actions and one of them. Yeah, four characters. That's what I said. It's okay. And then uh, you had one action at Isla Nublar's compass. What? Okay. Yes, you are correct. That one action is shared. But that was much tighter and much more difficult to be able to get everyone lined up to be able to help things. Um, I recommend this game at lower player accounts if possible. Uh, and frankly, I think solo, you're just fine. Play at whatever player count you enjoy the most. This is the one I think podcast. that. Exactly. It's the one player podcast. So. Solo, you just pick whichever player count you want. Two or three are great. Four isn't. If you have six on... It doesn't even take six. The max is four. Six? Oh. Max is four. Um, I, I guess you should just do... But four, I think, is just... It's if you had one tight. person... If you had one person, it's two turns. Would you have more actions? No. It's two turns, but I have an extra piece in the center, so if you need Yes. That. So I just... But I still think it was too tight, even with but the extra piece no, in the center. No, I think it was... It wasn't tight. You had the same actions. But you have more characters to move around. Yeah, but you had the same amount of action. Okay, I'm moving on to another like, topic. If you gave like mine up to everybody else, then like two. Okay, I'm moving on to another topic. I do think that there was another difficulty of the game with some of the like uncontrollable loss situations. So, for example, where the dinosaurs just randomly pop up and destroy your whole party and make a whole bunch of consequences because of a random die roll. Or if another one is that you need to flip coins to prevent this from power from being lost, and you have to flip the coins to do that, and you just keep flipping poorly. Um, there's nothing you really do to control that other than just have extra actions, and it makes the rest of your actions just well, tighter and tighter. Well, uh, there are some... The, there are some items that get you extra yeah, but it's, a- actions. Like, but it's only if you get lucky and you get those extra actions. But there are like three, I'm pretty sure. But I'm just saying, those are the things you don't have very good control of. But I think mostly those ones didn't bother me very much. Because it was an action that I took and I rolled a die. And that's just the method to use it. Things that I didn't like were ones where this, the you had to have power to the facility. At one point in time in the game, you'll start learning that you have to have power and there's going to be these storms and a storm meter that's going to track up as things go forward. Wait, wait, wait. 
So at one point in time, you're going to have this storm thing. And it's going to track up. Every time there's a storm card that gets revealed for the um, sector cards, you track it up. And when it hits three, right then, before the round ends, the storm hits. And that theoretically can turn off electricity and power to the facility. But worse, there are many cards. Four of them? Pretty sure it's five. I don't think it was five. But wherever it is, when the storm hits and the power turns off, um, you lose power. Many of the round cards would immediately give you a consequence right after the power went out. And there's no way of preventing or interacting with the storm in advance. Wait a second. There's no way of preventing or interacting with the storm in advance. All you can do is turn the power back on once it happens. And I enjoyed the idea of turning the power back on. I enjoyed that tension that you then have all of your actions reduced until you have the power turned back on. I didn't like how it felt like I had no control over the consequences ending the game because the power got turned off when I couldn't do anything to prevent it. Well, actually, you can do something to prevent it, but that would be including legacy character, and I'm pretty sure legacy character. Yeah, but it was much later. That was a much later legacy character. Really? Yeah. And also, you have limited uses for them. So in general, I just don't think there's a lot you can do about it. We house-ruled this one aspect of the game, where we played that if a storm card hit, it wouldn't trigger consequences until the next round, which still put a lot of pressure on us to go fix it, but it wouldn't make a consequence right then unless we chose not to turn it back on or we got stuck doing other things. So that was a small house rule, and I'm sure it led to extra wins for us, but it felt more fair, and it allowed us to finish games, where otherwise we would have just been out due to no control of our own. It also would have been really frustrating because we would have lost every single time. And while Not I, every single time. Right, but like, I don't like losing every single time. I'm okay with losing a few times, but I don't want to lose a whole lot. Yeah. With power outages... You also cannot do any of the thing, any of the buildings. So I did not. Uh, that was like not so easy for me. So also the electric fences were off. That was also pretty hard. So the dinosaurs could easily escape. So let's let's give a general uh, thoughts at this point in time. So let me ask each of you individually. Chayadvara, did you enjoy the game? Yes. Would you recommend it? Yes. Deli, how about you? I would. And I would again. Okay, why do you recommend it, Deli? Because like, I think it's a pretty good game. And I'm pretty sure other people who are fans of dinosaurs, I know some people, would like it. How about you? Why do you recommend the game? Again, because it's fun. I like the artwork. I think it has a good gameplay concept. And regardless of the fact if you like dinosaurs or not, I don't know, it's kind of very kind of ugly and aggressive cats. <laughs> I hear that. Huh? What's ugly and For me, I also do recommend the game. Um, I think that the, the game feels very tight. I enjoy the difficulty involved with it. It feels like a very hard puzzle to be able to work out a win but when you work out that puzzle it feels very satisfying i think that again i keep comparing it to horrified because it feels very similar to me to horrified where you have a limited number of actions and a mini game to do it the mini games they're like 
they're weird. It does not feel like you're welcoming people when you're shifting boxes around things like that. But they've like it's a video game type thing. It feels like playing in a video game type world where there's a mini game to be able to you know lock pick or whatever it is. And those mini games felt nice. They were enjoyable to continue to do. They perhaps mini game the building actions. They perhaps got boring after twelve of them without the change that you get from Horrify, where different scenarios of different buildings have different mini games. This was the same mini games each game, and I'm. Pretty well done with the mini games after 12 games of them. Um, 11. 11 games? 12. 11. Done. So. Ten to, wait, was done, there an intro? Done. Yes. So. Um, I, I enjoy those mini games. I enjoy how that ties in. I don't think the actions are too tight. I think it was an enjoyable experience. And I like the changes that come from the round cards and the way that it all involves and keeps you very much on the edge of your seat and keeps you emotionally invested. So I also recommend it. I also think that it's very enjoyable. I think probably solo is the best way of playing it because it gives you a lot of control over solving the puzzle and thinking about what you're doing. Unless you're really working with a group that is, you know, very willing to listen to ideas that you come up with and you work well together. If you're going to have friction, but yeah, I think it's good. I would give it a recommendation and uh, yes, we were that group. He was just yes. talking about we, you, we were that, that you were that group. I think we worked together well. We were definitely able to do the, to to rescue some dinosaurs by working together. Anyway, I think that is about it for this episode. We better run off before we get rampaged. Ah, I was not sitting on the edge of my seat, but ah. have a good funny. night, everyone. Bye bye. Very funny. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.